It's the final word, story time. Haven't said that in a while. 143. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. We've moved rooms. We're in my living room recording this. Peggy is next door having her bum changed. We have recorded this as soon as we've recorded the weekly show. Such is the efficiency, such is the dedication we have to making podcasts at the moment. Hello, Jeff. This is industrial scale <laughs> podcasting today. This is this is how the sausage is made. This People is- said to me yesterday at the ground, oh, you must be really looking forward to a couple of days off <laughs> with your family. Between, I'm seeing my family, sure. Yeah. I've done lots of cuddles with Peggy today. Absolutely. Yep. It was great to wake up with you this morning and send her off to nursery and all of that. But days off, they do not exist until next week when we both have a little bit of time, which is fine. I enjoyed the break between the uh, the third and fourth tests where it was about eight days and people similarly said, oh, what did you do in your time off? I covered the uh, other Ashes series that yeah. is also happening and um, spent all of my time doing that. One of my colleagues who I have a lot of respect for, who I won't name, one of our colleagues in the small C sense that you know, someone we work with in the industry but don't literally work with, said to me, I just spent I spent a week in Italy. It was perfect timing. So we could sleep the whole week in with the family down in Italy. Had a great time. Loved the fish. I'm like, yeah, that would have been mm. that would have been splendid. Mm. That would have been splendid. But that's what the hundreds there for because that that's a tournament that we're never going to get to work on, so we can get away then. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that is your that's your Italy fish tournament is the yeah, hundred. Yeah. I see one hundred. Yeah. I'll have one hundred fish, please. I think the hundred's being hosted this year by a, a DJ from one of the radio stations on the radio. Right, and, and I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a completely different broadcasting operation to okay. the sort of stuff that you and I do. Well, hopefully they've got rudimental involved because that really elevated the twenty nineteen. World Cup. It was a good, it was a good launch. It was a good launch. I enjoy going to the rudimental thing. That song, that like completely bland, nothing. Was it standby? No, not standby. Yeah, standby. Standby. Mm. Yeah, the problem with that song was like a lot of the ICC anthems is you can never understand the fucking lyrics. Mm. Now that to me, for an anthem to be anthemic, you want people to sing along with you. And I was in. We were both at the 2019 World Cup after party in the basement of the Garden, whatever it's called, hotel in 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 Posho Land in Western London. West London, and everyone was very enthusiastic when the anthem came on, but no one knew the words because it was just mm. not that kind of song. Because it went, it was just vowels. It was all yeah. vowels. And, and, you know, Enunciate as, better anthems. As baby John Burgess could tell you, <laughs> there are only so many things you can do with vowels. You, you, <laughs> there are some good things you can do. You can say, ooh, with vowels, but, you, the, you know, the, maybe that's a great thing. But You, you also need everything. to have an end finale. Yeah. You do need at some time an end finale, mm. not on your end finale. Now, we have 45 minutes to record this, Jeff, because I am going to go pick Winnie up from nursery. I know in the past when I've said these things, we've blown out, but I'm committed to this. Okay. We're, this is going to be a briefer story time for obvious reasons. We've prepared a handful of numbers. We haven't prepared 25 numbers as we've yep. occasionally done on this program. It's been known to happen. Those shows will come at a later date. For the time being, we're just ticking over and getting as much story time action as we can. All right. Um, and, and I'm going to start today, Jeff. Tell me what I'm doing. You are going to play a game called Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge. I can do that now because uh, Peggy's awake. Nerd Pledge <laughs> is a game that we play with the nice people on the internet who help us make this program by funding the show. They send in contributions that are not normal amounts of currency. They are very specific amounts that have something to do with cricket and we have to figure out what that number means. I don't even have that written down. That is seared into my brain yeah. from now on. That is the the optimum description of what we do. So Matthew Chappell, for mm. instance, has sent in a contribution, a handsome, generous 
generous contribution of $19.04. Bless him. That's in Australian currency. That means the number is 1904. The decimal point could be there. It could not be there. It could float around. It could disappear completely. Uh, you could put dashes in there. You could interpret 1904 in whatever way you see fit to try to make it relate to cricket. Some people send clues. They don't have to. Matthew has not done so. What I know is that Matthew is related to Kowloon Cricket Club in Hong Kong and he has is. some connection with the Fairbreak tournament when you were out there. I'm hosting. I'm, I'm hosting. I'm wearing the Kowloon Cricket Club hat right now as we record wow. this. It's my favourite cap at the moment. Okay. I'm uh, not a huge hat wearer. I have a flat cap I wear in the spring yep. and in the autumn. Uh, and I have a you baseball have a flat cap. cap you in the spring. You're just practicing for being old. Yes, and I have a baseball cap, which would, um, which uh, which is the, the design of the Callan Cricket Club. Okay, we were given these when we were over there. Um, you, were you going to roll up a newspaper and carry it under your arm when yeah, you wear your flat, flat cap? cap. I, I, do, like, I do feel a bit that way when I go and watch Dulwich Hamlet wearing like my pea coat and a you know flat cap. I do feel like I've gotten a bit of a time machine, like Martin Saggers with his umbrella. He was always yeah. carrying his umbrella when he was out there. The fourth official. I put on the live blog on the Guardian. Saggers ashes. Um, yeah, you know. I, I feel that he's he's somehow he's he symbolizes everything about yeah, the he, he's a he's a he was a good looking dude good looking rooster as a cricketer martin i don't think mm. he played an awful lot of test cricket like you could probably count them on one hand no I never he done. Played, we've talked about him on the show we I have reckon. done a martin i think we've Sager's done a martin we? Sager story time or maybe he played four tests yeah, yeah. from memory it was between two and four i'm okay. gonna say that's what a little i think bit like martin bicknell Anyway, maybe I'm thinking of Martin Bicknell, but um, I think we are. I think we did do a Saggers number. Nonetheless, the point is, 1904 is your number. It is. It is an open slate. Okay. How have you interpreted it? Well, first of all, I feel bad that I didn't get to see Matt when we were all in the UK together during the Ashes. A Cowloon Cricket Club contingent came out for Lords and Leeds, but as a lot of my other friends know, uh, I wasn't getting out of the commentary box very often at Lords. <laughs> it was relentless stuff. But yes, Matthew had that group of young cricketers they brought out from Cowloon, wonderful club, and I look forward to going back there uh, regularly over the years. It was a fabulous fortnight doing fair. Do they have there. a venue there called Kowloon Corner? That uh, would be good. We, I can't believe we didn't think of that on commentary. You would have, we would have been a good addition to the commentary team for that alone. That they, it's very short one side and there was a ball whacked into the grandstand by Susie Bates in the final that smacked – well, it's, uh, it was a touch unfortunate. It would, it would have been unfortunate whoever it, whoever it hit. But it hit the character on social media who brands herself as Lady Barmy Army – so uh, that's not her name. That's not her real name. But I won't, right. I won't offer her real name in this sure. platform. But she got Lady Barmalade, if you will. Yeah, she got hit in the head by Susie Bates's pull shot at the short boundary at Kowloon because that's there is there is very short boundaries. Voulez-vous so, get hit in play. the head by Susie Bates ce soir? Yes. So for no particular reason, I started with the laws of the game. Nineteen point four, you know, nineteen oh four, nineteen point four, which is um, uh, it'd be nineteen forty though the number if that was the case, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably, probably. Probably. I'll just note on the way through that that's um, part of the catch law that pertains to the ball being grounded beyond the boundary. So I'm calling that the Trent Bolt law, um, where yep. his foot touched the, the rope in the 2019 uh, World Cup final, which we were referring to before. The, the optimum in- example for why the Mitchell Stark catch was not out, because Trent Bolt took that catch, controlled the ball, was yep. inside the thing, and, and then I, and, and in I the motion... Never- Stepped back. And I never thought of that until it was too late. That was the that was the best way, like a day later or yep. whatever it was, we all worked out, oh, hang on a second, this has happened at Lords before. Why the Stark thing, as you say, was not out. But yes, let's move on from that 19-4. Instead, I wanted to talk about the 1903-04 Ashes, which is interesting to me for a number of reasons. There were only four test matches played in 1904 and they were all in this 03-04 Ashes in Australia. The first tour where the MCC took control over the England team 
uh, when going overseas. And Plum Warner was given the responsibility to sort it all out for the MCC and captain the tourists. England were going over there as underdogs, big time, having not won since 1896. And this is with the era when they're playing quite frequently, right? So 1897, 98, Australia win 4-1. 1899, Australia 1-0 in England, a series we've spoken about before. Trump is first, Grace is last, Rhodes is first. 1901-02, Australia win 4-1 convincingly at home. And then in 1902 in England, uh, 2-1 was the margin after Australia wrapped it up famously at Old Trafford. Tate's match, crying real tears in the middle, uh, was Fred Tate having dropped the catch and been bowled as the final wicket to fall, Australia winning by three runs. Of course, he, he bred well. His son Morris went pretty good. So they went over with low expectations uh, for 0304. They went to Sydney to begin in December 1903 and a bloke called Tip uh, just the tip. Mm-hmm. Australia made 285, England 577. Tip Foster, of course, 287. One of those records that I don't expect will ever be broken, you know, kind of like the Bannerman. I don't see an opener making more than 287 in a test innings. That, 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 that to me... That, on debut. On debut as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. the debut opener thing. That's mm. right, yeah. The, the, the debut opener, 287. I'd be surprised if that was ever beaten in the same way that I kind of hope Bannerman's isn't either. Yep. Yeah, you want you want a couple of the old types to stay in the record books yeah. for something, you know. Like, like I remember, um, you know, Jim Maxwell being very anxious as as Sean Marsh and Adam Vogt yes. just got towards the four fifty two. Um, he was but, like, "These not deserve to be broken today." Not not, not in not in Hobart against the West Indies. Not so. in Antarctica. You can see Antarctica from here at Hobart, as Jim would say. <laughs> <laughs> Never had a, the, the animosity between Jim and, and, and Tasmanian cricket is, mm-hmm. is long held. Believe me, believe me. Um, yes, well, they they did fall short by a three runs. They I were four forty nine. I think it was yeah three runs. That's mm. right. Yeah, they never were able to break a record from uh, the Don Bradman catalogue. He did, however, have his 287 broken by Roscoe Taylor when he went past the high score made by an overseas batsman at the Wacker in what would have been 2015. Yes, that's right. Just after everyone retired after the Ashes and yep. the new Australian team was that's there. It. That's it. So also at Sydney, uh, Wilf Rhodes, who we mentioned before, took a five for Trump made 185 not out to keep it in balance. But Tom Hayward, that's a pretty good effort, by the way, 185 not out in a losing team in the third innings of the match. But Tom Hayward um, for England made 91 to chase 194 and win by five wickets. And into the new year, we went to the MCG. So England won nil up. England, uh, again, they're, they're, um, they're having a good time of it. They make 315. Then Australia are all out for 122. Trumper, 74. So a 61.2 percenter, referring to Bannerman before. Then Wilf goes bang, takes seven for 56, and Australia is skittled after Trump is dismissed. Disappointed you didn't say seven bangs there. Yes. Yes. Bang, 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 bang. That was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia only made 122 in the second dig as well, and England went out. Convincing winners by 185 runs. It might have been in innings and 185. I can't remember. My notes are scrappy. They're 2-0 up regardless. Then they go off to Adelaide where Monty Noble's team must win. And they do, thanks to a Victor Trumper ton. Really is at the peak of his powers here, isn't he, Trumper? Dominating England at home. So we're 2-1 going into the fourth, just like it was last week at Manchester, Jeff, with the home side chasing and the away team with two wins on the board. And for that fourth test match, we're back at Sydney, where England had won to start the series. 
They make 249 with Monty Noble make, taking seven for 100, the, the Australian skipper. But Australia only make 131. England then make 210. Australia are chasing 329. They're all out for 171. And Bosey takes six for 51. Mm-hmm. One of only two fifers in his seven test career. But it's Ashes winning. England are winners by 157 runs. Australia win the dead rubber with more trumper runs. England are actually all out for 61 and 101 in that fifth and final test. I wonder whether they were just on the piss rather than taking it too seriously. Tibby Cotter took six for, Hugh Trumbull took seven for 28. And I reckon that's a low-key great Ashes series. Some huge names who performed really well. England winning in Australia unexpectedly under Plum Warner 3-2 and winning the Ashes back for the first time in a long time. Also, they didn't lose a tour game. So from a side expected to do abysmally, that's a fine effort, and it all happened in, in 1904. Well, four of the five tests anyway, which is the number. Trumper made 574 at 64 in a losing team. Wilfred Rhodes, be still my beating heart, 31 wickets at 16. Trumbull, 24 wickets at 17. And, yes, tips overseas record as the debut opener still lasts to this day, and that set it up at Sydney. And the original Rongan master is in there as well. With the 6 of 51. Doing a Bozing, bit of his stuff. Bozing Clay. Bozing Ket or Bozing Ket? Bozing Ket or Bozing Clay? I think we go with the Bozing Ket as in an anglicised version yes. of the Bozing Ket that you might get we did en français. Norcross and I did the long Bozy story probably a year we, ago. You it's, did. It's worth digging out because that was a lot of fun going back to when he took like – 15 wickets in an Oxford University game or something like that to get himself on an early tour to South Africa. Oui, oui. Je n'ai oublié pas le, l'histoire de Bosanke. I have not forgotten the story. Now you're showing off. Me. Yeah, you know, got to do it a little bit. If you can't do it on your own podcast, <laughs> where can you show off? Hi, I'm Ebony Rainford-Brent and you're listening to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Now, well, uh, I've got Brett Birkenstock, mm-hmm. who uh, may be related to the sandal magnates. I don't know. Um, I hope so. Is this is this $14.90 of sandal money coming in? <laughs> I hope it is. I hope it's finally coming our way. $14.90 is the number. There's a there's a brief clue. Yeah, about a player who played in pink. Can I tell you what I think it's going to be? Mm-hmm. I reckon it's going to be in relation to the West Indies side in World Series cricket. That's my first guess. It is not related to the West Indies side. Or I think it'll be about Middlesex. It's not about Middlesex. Okay. You keep going. All right. I'll eat a berry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're we're, we're, um, eating berries during this podcast because that's a thing that we do. Now, it goes like this. Uh, Brett Birkenstock, $14.90. I'm interpreting that as 149. 149, Adam, from 44 balls. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah. That Uh, was in pink. That that, was in the um, – that was on New Year's Day when – when um, A.B. de Villiers twatted 149 in no balls at all. Yes, 44 of them is all yeah. that it took. And it was on the fundraising day when South Africa wear a pink uniform, an all-pink uniform, to raise money for breast cancer charities. So he was wearing pink that day. He was wearing an all-pink strip that was very fetching facing the West Indies. 149 in 44 balls, the century coming up in 31 balls. Mm. So he gets to 104 in 31 balls and then adds 45 more in 13 <laughs> deliveries after that. Blimey. The whole thing the whole thing is insane. The match is Johannesburg, January 2015. The question for me here is how did that South African team not win the World Cup? <laughs> like, when you've that, got that yeah, guy. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think this might be just after Corey Anderson 
had made a hundred on maybe New Year's Day yeah, the year before from about 36, 30, maybe. 36 balls. So he's he smashed the record. That's kind of like yeah. Ben Johnson, nineteen eighty eight Olympics, check the urine sample stuff. Mm. I'm not saying for a moment that A B De Villiers is on the road, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's the level of which I'll do a better one. Usain Bolt in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. His um, level of record breaking. Yeah, the the distance is it's ridiculous. So the, mm. it's it's a Freddie thirty seven balls, then it's Anderson thirty six, right. then it's Tavilliers thirty one. Corey so. Anderson's probably playing in that MLC. By the he way, he is. He absolutely is. He's okay. hitting hitting a lot of dingers in that dingers um, major league cricket thing. So and the opposition is a pretty decent West Indies team. Poor old. Jason Holder was poor young Jason Holder at that point, captaining that side. But, you know, they've, they've got, you know, they're, they're well stacked with talent. Um, South Africa bat first. The opening partnership is 247. Riley Russo, 128 from 115 balls. Hashim Amla goes on to 153 not from 142 balls. Mm-hmm. So he's the anchor going at 107. <laughs> and after Riley gets out, AB de Villiers comes in. Uh, he goes 4-2-1 in his first three balls. Seven runs, keeps the strike. Next over, Andre Russell, after a couple of deliveries, 4-6-4-6. The first of those kind of sweep scoop shots that he would play oh, yeah. de Villiers in this innings where he steps outside off stump, gets down on one knee and deflects it over deep backwards square mm. leg somehow. He plays that shot again and again in this innings just to every quick bowler and they just keep bowling outside off stump at him. You mentioned poor old Jason Holder. I remember him hitting about five sixes off Jason Holder in his next yep. massive innings against them at the SCG during the World Cup a few months later. Exactly that. Um, absolutely monstered Jason Holder in that subsequent Performance with it's the one where holders something like one for thirty-eight of eight overs, and then ends up going for a hundred. I think he concedes the most expensive figures in West Indies history, having had yeah at a, a pretty decent economy right after eight. Yeah, I reckon it's sixty-four off his last two overs yeah. from memory yeah. in that World Cup game, which is not this game where he is also being taken <laughs> apart. So he only hits one six in the next over from Jerome Taylor, an over that remarkably goes dot two two leg by after the six or before the six after the six. And then he faces Holder and goes six 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 four in the space of four balls. So he's got the fastest 50 at that point in 16 deliveries, more of those scoop sweep kind of shots. A six and a four off Taylor, which includes like a reverse scoop to deep third as well. So he's pulling out that stuff. Hashim Amla's taking some of the strike at this point. AB gets a couple of fours off Dwayne Smith, scoops six off Taylor, and then Holder comes back on again. This time it's four, six, six, six. He misses a hole over in which Amla takes a dozen runs off Taylor um, and then comes back to face Dwayne Smith and goes 664662. So that's 30 off the over. Smith has got none for 68 off four at that point. And incredibly, the 50th over bowled by Andre Russell concedes three runs and takes a wicket. Hmm. AB caught it deep cover. So a stretch through the middle of the innings for De Villiers goes like this 64666, leg by. Six one six six four six six. That's consecutive deliveries through the middle of that. It's like we're having the the scores right out of the tennis grand slam. Yeah, yeah. it's six it's, four, six six six. Yeah, tiebreaker. Well, maybe yeah, that's right. So it's stick cricket, and the best bit about this is that he comes to the middle after thirty eight point three overs. It is 
by a distance, the latest in an innings that anyone has made a century from in one day cricket. Um, Because I was looking this stuff up and I was having a think about it and I talked to Andrew Sampson about it and he said, maybe a couple of the Butler ones, they'd be the only ones close. So I looked at a couple of Joss Butler's, the 110 off 55 Mm -hmm. and the 116 off 52 against Pakistan. Both of those he came in in the 36th over. So, you know, <laughs> beating it by a good couple of overs, De Villiers coming in in the 39th and then making almost 150 before he holds out in the last over. Uh, South Africa end on 439. Uh, Jerome Taylor, one for 95. Andre Russell, one for 78. Jason Holder, none for 91 off nine overs. Mm-hmm. Suleiman Ben's the only one who comes out of it. Well, none for 49 off 10, pretty decent through the middle before De Villiers came to the crease, it must be said. So the Windies make 291 for seven, which is a perfectly good one-day international score, but they're batting second and it doesn't work out. One of AB's 25 one-day hundreds, the fastest, and, uh, well, it's going to take a fair effort to go better than that. It caught up on me, AB's career, a little bit how Brendan McCullum's did too, because his career, he has his first big peak when I'm not able to watch anywhere near as much cricket. There's a whole bunch, I think I've said to you before, Jeff, a whole bunch of cricket that's played between 2008 when I went to, well, let's call it 07, 08, when I was kind of going into that the serious political offices that I would then work for the next six years. And when I got out of that and moved to cricket in 2013, obviously I was still plugged in. I went to the Ashes in 2009. I went to every Ashes test in 2011. But the wider game, the wider world, I just wasn't able to stay in touch with it. And that's when AB and Brendan McCullum are coming into their own. So when they both start dominating around this time as batsmen, I'm still thinking of them as wicket keepers. Long since the time that they handed over the gloves to other colleagues. So, yeah, I always like hearing more about AB and had the great privilege of mm. commentating a test century of his at um, Port Elizabeth in, in 20. 20- 18, which is close to the best test innings that I've ever seen. And I was mm. lucky to be on air when he when he reached three figures and was able to ce- celebrate it accordingly. So well done, Jeff. And yeah, yeah, the Windies did, boy, did they cop some tap around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they had that um, quarterfinal of the World Cup in 15 when Marty Guptill hit a double ton. We've already talked about that game at Sydney. I mean, they, they were, that, that was a, you know, they might have won the World T20 the following year in 2016, but the early warning system that their, their white ball cricket was, perhaps about to go off a cliff was was there before. Yeah, I mean, they handed out a few the other way as well when, you know, any time that Gale got going, they handed out some beltings, but they certainly took some as well. Uh, David Honeyball is our next nerd ledger. What a name, terrific name. This Mm. might be in the top ten names, I reckon, um, that that we've had on the final word. I mean, I say that without having looked it up. I was pleased at the Old Trafford test to meet the president. Uh, oh, Richard Bond McNally. Yeah, Richard Bond McNally. Was, oh, brilliant. Um, I've only met Richard running at me on the street when mm-hmm. and taking a photo of him when he was at the London Marathon. Did a great job. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, finally got to give my salutations to El Presidente and tell him I'll be voting for him in four years. We should say that Philip Meng's just finishing his trip to the UK as well. And what a trip it is. What he's a trip completed, it's been. I think I'm right in saying he's completed 13 meetups while he's been here. Yep. The, um, the godfather of Nerd Pledge a wonderful human being. I've spent a bit of time in his company over here at various meetups, got him up to the commentary box somewhere or another, maybe Leeds. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, after all of that, he goes back home to Perth for a time, goes back to work and has to return to the UK for a wedding, I think, in September. So he's home for a a short time, then returning, and we'll we'll see him again. But, yeah, he's been the glue around the the meetups through the course of the the, the Ashes summer. He's been everywhere, all over this country. He's been been to other countries as well. He's been to Scotland and Ireland and 
made sure that he's visited all parts that he can of the Isles and particularly around England to such an extent that there is a petition in our Discord chat to rename this country by putting an M in front of it, Mengland. <laughs> that makes me very happy. I cannot wait to get back on Discord when the ashes are over, by the way. I've had to ban myself from going on there through this busy work period because there's not you know, Guy Hornsby was telling me that there are a number of our Discord users who, who I think uh, Matt from the Gabba in Queensland being another, who religiously check every thread and make sure that they've read every thread before mm-hmm. going to bed or waking up. And that's me. Like that, that's that's how my brain works yep. as well. If I've got another platform where I'm reading everything religiously and methodically, well, I don't do a lot of sleeping as it is with, with pegs. Um, I can't uh, I can't be adding another distraction in the middle of an Ashes series. But yeah. afterwards, all for it. The match chat channel while the test matches have been on is probably a thousand posts a day. Oh, so, really? Yeah, it's, it's it's wow. You you can't read it all. Okay, yeah. that's that 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 does remind me of the grand old days of the Victor Trumper board. Mm. Um, those match threads from the two thousand and five Ashes were, were works of art. So uh, this all brings us back to David Honeyball. When you start with a great name on the final word, then then uh, who knows where, where things can go from there. £2.43. So two forty three is your number. He says, I'm playing Storytime Catch-Up, which is highly entertaining but takes some time. Uh, that's a good hobby to have if you want to go back to the start of Storytime. Currently in the mid-40s. We're in the 140s right now, so a bit of distance to go, David. I look forward to you hearing this pledge in about nine years' time. I realised that my 243 has repeatedly been referred to in the past as the early score in the Adelaide 2010-11 test, uh, the English version. However, my 243 does not refer to this. Instead, it's a total of some things achieved by someone. This was fun. Um, I can tell you, David, if this makes you um, feel appreciated and loved, that this was a Samson, Norcross, Coney, Collins effort. We all worked on this together. Maybe even Kimber. Pretty much when it was raining on day four, sure, we all got stuck into this, and we got there, and we thought we wouldn't. We thought we were cooked, David, but we got there. Okay, I'll run you through some logic. A collection of something, right? Effectively, what we're looking for: a collection of things. Thought catches. No wicket keepers taken two forty three. No catches collectively across formats. Nut. Collection, I would have thought more dismissals, like you've got to join a couple of categories together. Yeah, but believe me, like, you know, there, there's no... Well, mm. the word he used is is, um, is uh, 243. Total, does not refer to this, but instead a total something of achieved by someone. So, yeah, okay. we're, we're looking for a, a yeah. whole number. 50-plus scores in a career. We're like, oh, this is a good idea. 243, tw- nearly, but not quite. Nobody passed 50, 243 times. Um, the next closest to that... Uh, Calatran and Barrington both made 247 scores of 50 or above. Okay. Most ducks? thought maybe did someone make 243 ducks? No. You'd have to be awful. Well, someone that. made 143, 100 fewer than that. Reggie Perks. Stumpings, nothing worked. Then I'm like, what about first class catcher Samo? Come on, dust open the database. The funny thing with Samo's database is when he puts in a request has to search through over 60,000 first-class scorecards and it is like the um, the egg timer mm. going round and round and he hits the button and he continues the conversation with you for a couple of minutes and he goes, ding, ding. It's like waiting for the microwave to go off. That's exactly – it's not automated. It right. takes its time. It has to whir through and do its thing. Um, and we found someone with 243 first-class catches. Yeah. And for a time I'm like, if I can't find anything better, this is what I'm going to do. 
Yunus Khan. Yunus Khan. T- 243 first. Khan Yunus. And 139 of those in Test cricket, the 14 most ever. Also took 135 in one day internationals, 243 in first class. What about Fifers? And again, we thought we were really under something here. Oh, it'll be Fifers a little bit. No, someone took 386. Guess, Jeff. We, guess who took Titch three, Freeman. Titch Freeman took 386 Fifers. Oh, we've um, talked about him on the show so often yeah, as the yeah. most prolific hooverer up of wickets. Spot right. on. Um, the closest to two, closest to the pin, 240, WG Grace, which I huh. thought was quite nice. Ben Stokes at Old Trafford, when we were there, was playing his 243rd international for England. Doesn't count, mm-hmm. but it's a thing. But it's a thing. Dermot Reeve played in 243 wins for Warwickshire. Oh, now this is getting <laughs> bullshit. We were I mean, in Last Chance Saloon, right? Okay. We were in Last Chance Saloon. And then someone, now who was it? I think it might have been Barat or equally could have been Samson. Someone said, what about sixes? Because we know about, obviously, Stokes having hit 100 of them. And we know about McCullum having hit 100 McCullum. of them because he, he got his... Was it his hundred? No, his two hundredth one day six when we were there in twenty sixteen, and his and his hundredth test six. Hundredth test six in his final yep. tour might have been the first test of that series. But yeah, we all know about roughly one hundred sixes being roughly what Gilchrist, McCullum, and Stokes have got there and thereabouts. Um, I think so, I think McCullum ends with one oh seven maybe because he hit yeah. a bunch in that. Um, that seems right. That hundred in his last test. Yeah, that seems right. But I so said, what about first class sixes? And what do you know? There was someone who hit 243 first-class sixes and I am almost certain it is going to be what we're talking about today. Kevin Peterson hit 243 sixes in first-class cricket. There's a 2010-11 Adelaide yep. clue in the clue, so yep. surely. Yep, 2010-11 Adelaide, um, Peterson's 143 mm-hmm. um, in that. No, sorry, the 143 was in 2006, which for a long time I said was the best innings I'd – well, up there with the best innings I'd seen live. The the 2-10-11, double hundred, I also watched every single ball of, albeit, um, uh, albeit um, a lot of the – at the back with Clemo <laughs> and Alex Hart. Uh, but we did watch some of the cricket as um, KP uh, moved to a, a double ton of famous, double ton of that. So, yes, it, it will be Kevin Peterson and 243 sixes. And of that – I think most memorable is the six he hit into the pavilion at Lords in the 2005 debut test match that he played in on that second morning when he uh, sorry wouldn't have been the second morning because no that was because they they came back and he was the not out man when he launched uh, a six uh, straight into the pavilion into the second deck and there were comparisons immediately made to trot clearing the pavilion and what would be possible for this guy as a test player. Um, he had that not innings. Jonathan Trot just for clarity. There. No, 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 no. Probably didn't clear the pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and, and Atherton's on commentary. A young Mike Atherton's on commentary. Well, he's still you know he's not an old man or anything, but you know he he wasn't long finished as a player. I remember that and calling KP6 and it being a significant moment as he went on to make 80-odd, but it would be the very end of the series across the river where he'd make his most important contribution, 243 first-class sixes, which I'm not sure how many he hit in the triple hundred he hit at the Oval with the very short boundary, but it always gets talked about on Surrey comms that when you go through the Surrey records and that often comes up, that triple century, they played all the way across in front of the Bedsa stand. It was all the way to one side playing against Leicestershire when he makes his... 355 when 
England said to him, if you want to play in the 2015 Ashes, just make a shitload of runs Mm -hmm. and did so, you know, hit the 355, albeit in Division 2 for Surrey against Leicestershire. But what they were really saying was, um, you know, you can make a million runs and we're not having you back because Mm -hmm. you are a a problematic character who we can no longer manage. Yes. We can no longer manage you. You have to go, which is a... A failing on the part of kind of everyone involved, I think, including Peterson himself, obviously. And that's been documented beautifully by um, Barney Douglas in The Edge. Yeah, well, it was Andrew Strauss, wasn't it? He said, you have to make runs, county runs, and then sort of came out after that innings and said, well, not those kind of county runs. Um, yeah, well, if, if, you, um, if you heard Peterson on comms through the first couple of tests, you might... Understand why you didn't want to share a dressing room with him. He hit 15 of those 243 sixes in that innings at the Oval, if you're wondering, which I, I will say is the most he hit in an innings because it's impossible he would have hit more than that because we know about it. There you go. <laughs> so that's my answer for 243. I like it. Uh, KP sixes and the process we went through, like many of these, um, David, it's not about it's not about where you land, it's about the journey you go on. And exactly. the fact that you had the entire SEN commentary box working on this together. During a rain delay. During a rain delay. So there was there was time to do it. Hi, I'm Matt Renshaw and you're listening to the Final Word Podcast. Uh, Nigel Brown is my my last one on this brief story time today with a flat $10 USD. Now, that might look like a Julio pledge, but it is, in fact, a nerd pledge. No, when we're told this, the clue is that it took him 27 days. That's in... Um, so it says here, the clue is that it took him 27 days. He spaced this out. Or you can just have it as a free hit, depending on your mood, energy levels keep going. So Nigel's given you options, but you're going to take the clue. I have taken the clue because if we interpret 10 as 1000 and get rid of the decimal, it equals 1,000. Ah. And what is a thing that people talk about when they talk about 1,000? They talk about making 1,000 runs by the end of May. That's a thing that gets talked about in the English season. It hasn't happened many times, but Mm -hmm. it's happened a few times. And Donald Bradman is one of the people who did it because of course he is, because he's a massive show-off who liked making runs. So 1930, he's just made the 452, that's Mm -hmm. the world record score at the time in Australian domestic cricket, the one that B.B. Nimbolka is not allowed to break when the captain of the opposing team defaults and goes home (laughs) because he's like, no, fuck this, you're not good enough to break Bradman's record and hops on the train and leaves. Um, So they they win the match by default, Nimbolka's team, but he's he's stuck on his uh, 437, is that? Sounds about right, yeah. Now, Bradman's made the 452. Nimbolka hasn't done his thing yet. Bradman heads to England, starts against Worcestershire, makes 236, wins by an innings. Clary Grimmett takes nine wickets. Love your work, Clary. 185 not out um, against Leicestershire, 78 against Yorkshire, 9 and 48 not out in Lancashire, 66 and 4 against the MCC. These are all draws. They have three-day games, lots of runs. Only makes 44 against Derbyshire, but it's a 10-wicket win, doesn't get the chance to bat a second time. And then 252 not out against Surrey and uh, Douglas Jardine. And the thing about this is that Bradman's not properly established at this point. No, they don't know who he is. He's played four test matches because I don't think they played any test matches in 29-30, did they, Australia? There's 28-29 against England. Yep. Then there's like a fallow year, which he dominates the Shields, but mm-hmm. he's still as a, an international cricketer. And yeah, I know he's he made a the prodigy. He's made two hundreds against England in twenty eight, twenty nine. He makes a hundred at Adelaide, but, yep. but it's the one with Jack Ryder. But it's still this. When he gets to England, how good will he be? And, yeah. and he proves it through the tour. He's, he's Zach Crawley. 
at this point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the first time Crawley and Bradman have been compared in the yeah. same sentence. He's, Jeff if, Lemon, mark if, the day, 24th Craw- of July. If Crawley had ever made any first-class runs, he's Zach Crawley yeah. um, because yeah. Bradman did. So then he plays this match against the Oxford students and he only makes 32. He gets out to a hyphen. He gets out to Herbert Montandon Garland Wells. <laughs> So he needs 46 more runs to get the landmark. Everyone knows that he's 46 short and they know that they're playing Hampshire on the 31st. And Lord Tennyson, uh, not Alfred Lord Tennyson, as we've talked about before on the show, wins a toss and chooses to bat. Spoil sport because Bradman's only got a day to try to break the record, but his team gets wrestled inside 55 overs. Now, it's raining. It doesn't look like, well, it's, it's, it's sort of spotting. It looks like they probably shouldn't be playing, but right. Lord Tennyson says, you know what? Let's go back out there and play. Bradman goes up to open the batting. He's been batting three through most of these matches. So Australia put him up to give him the chance to break the record on the day. Doesn't work for Archie Jackson. He's out for a duck uh, under heavy cloud. Ponsford settles in for company. Bradman gets to 39. The rain's coming in. Tennyson says, let's stay out here for one more over. And in the last over of the day, Bradman hits two boundaries to reach the target to get a 1,000 runs for the season. So great story, grandstand finish. The problem is that he started making those runs on April 30 and finished on May 31, so that's not 27 days. In 1934, he doesn't get a 1,000 in May on that tour, Um, although after he starts well with a double ton against Worcestershire, 65 against Leicestershire, makes a duck against Cambridge, who lose following on. He makes five against the MCC, and he makes 37 against Oxford. What's wrong? Don Bradman can't play toffs. If they're posh enough, he can't make any <laughs> runs. Why can't you make – you're playing students. You're playing Oxford and Cambridge students. Did he think it was beneath him? No, he just he just couldn't handle the toffs. Maybe that's why he ended up becoming one. I don't know. Just just trying to, to blend in. Um, so that doesn't work out. In 1938, he comes back again, and this is a little easier this time around. 258 against Worcestershire. 58 against Oxford, who lose following on by an innings and 487 runs. <laughs> he makes 187 against Cambridge, who lose by an innings and 425 runs. So he's cracked the TOF code now. He's figured out how to make runs against the Poshos. 278 against the MCC, just to underline that. Um, only makes two against Northants, who lose by an innings, but then he makes 143 against Surrey. 145 not out against Hampshire. So that's 1,071 runs achieved by the date of May 27. Ah. We were looking for something in 27 days. The only wrinkle in that is that, you know, a little little extra quirk that maybe Nigel didn't pick up on. They actually started the Worcestershire game on April 30th and batted first, so he must have batted on April 30th. So it may actually have been 28 days. 28 days later, Bradman had 1,000 runs and Killian Murphy had a film career. <laughs> Can I annoy you? Yeah. It's not right, your you answer. <laughs> I hate doing this to you. Why? Because uh, Charlie Hallows made 1,000 runs in 27 days, uh, which would have been the answer that I suspect you're looking for. Well, Bradman made him by <laughs> May 27, so I'm very happy to go with that. So Charlie Hallows for Lancashire in 1928 made them all in the championship. I'm just gone through it when you were talking then. I, I, I've got the 1,000 uh, runs in. Um, it's a little obsession of yours, isn't it? I do like this. So I have gone through this before. I reckon I did this on commentary on a Middlesex game a couple of years ago. The long story short is that he needed 232 on the final day of May and he made that exact score and got out next ball. And he made them all in the championship. Wow. And to that point, and it was all in May. But he didn't start until the 4th? 
Well, he must. I'm, I'm not sure how it would have worked then. I guess it just says the the, the all the runs were made. That so when's his when's his first match? Oh yeah, sequence. that's right. If it was the it must have been the fourth of May. Yeah, it must have been the first game he played for the year. Mm-hmm. Championship would have started later then because it was more of a def, there was more of a demarcation zone between football and cricket. Um, or I guess the fifth of May, if you because yeah. you'd be including the playing day. So, th- thousand runs first. by the end of May. Um, he was the third quickest. So Grace and Hammond both did it in twenty two days. Of course, we know about the eighteen ninety five Grace, the um, the golden summer that Grace had in eighteen ninety five, mm-hmm. and Hammond did nineteen twenty seven. So this is the year after Hammond did it. And he did it in, this is Hallows, 11 and that's, innings. And the year Hammond did it is the year after his cock fell off. It, um, that's right. It's the year misses, after he had his cock he, problems in 25-26. He misses the season with no cock. Yeah. And then he, I guess, reattaches it or whatever yeah. it is and he makes a 1,000 the next season. Just love to fuck, um, as was proven by the multiple issues he had through his life. But, yeah, Grace took 10 innings and we'll, um, we'll you know, we'll, we'll remain the marker there. But the one you referred to, Bradman's run, seven innings. So seven Bradman, innings. 30 days, seven innings innings it's like that world record we talked about before the next best is grace in 10 that's wild yeah that he hit a thousand runs in seven hits and well also his bradman's 974 in the test series is also in seven innings. yeah yeah exactly and um, he and liked making about a thousand runs in seven innings. incredible so yeah hammond took 13 but charlie hallows 27 days the second quickest by that measure and 11 innings which is the third equal third bradman took 11 innings in 1930 and Graham Hick took 11 in 1988, which of course included this 405 that we talked about mm. um, against Somerset a couple of months ago. The slowest by innings was Glenn Turner, who played 18 slow coach uh, in 1973. So just rattling through the numbers here. There's, there, there's some good ones there. And I reckon we've told the story of quite a few of them. Charlie Hallows probably um, has now deserved a, a greater telling of his story. Why don't we park that for the inevitable revisit we'll have to do because that is not the right answer, Brad. Well, <laughs> it could be the right answer. It could be. I prefer could to be. think that it is the right answer. Um, and if, if it isn't, then we've also said Charlie Hallows, which could be the right it is. answer. We can go longer on that, I suppose, is what I'm saying to Nigel Brent. You let us know if, if, it, is, if it is Charlie Hallows, if it's Jeff's answer, good as gold. If it's not, then in a revisit episode, we'll do a, a longer version of the Hallows tale. Now you're just making more numbers for us today. I know. We, we, have, the, we have quite a backlog. Um, so <laughs> thank you for your patience. If you have a number on the list, there has been very little story time the last few weeks, but we'll be doing our best to tilt the balance the other way once the ashes are out of the way. We have some confirmations as well. Uh, well, we've got one confirmation, which I'll read out. This is from Toby. You were, of course, correct. With the 465 minutes, South Australia batted to win the Sheffield Shield final in 1996. This was back in the day when the last session was live on television and they opened the Victor Richardson gates after tea. I remember pacing around the living room, too nervous to sit down as McIntyre and George played out the last hour, delaying the 6pm news. A huge thanks for everything you and Adam do. Great to be able to stay involved with both the men's and women's ashes over the last few weeks while travelling abroad without TV coverage. Toby, it's our absolute pleasure uh, to be able to provide you in this sense, that service. Uh, we don't normally think of us providing a service, but if you're not in touch with the, the TV during an Ashes series, I suppose we are we are doing that as well. This is the final word, world service. <laughs> uh, coming out to you, I like to think if you're backpacking around Guatemala or, I don't know, you're snowed in in a, a cabin in northern Canada or something like that, we can get into your ear holes and, and let you know what's happening in the cricket. The next story time that'll come in your feed will be... <laughs> will be Who knows? <laughs> will be with Barat. I know Baz has been busy 
um, looking at some numbers. So that'll big be big bad busy Barry. Yeah, big Baz and uh, big Jeff will be doing <laughs> will be doing the next uh, big story time. That'll be one forty four. Big Not, Jeff is one of our patrons it actually. Is, it so, is. so he won't be doing it. No. Um, I will be doing it. We haven't outsourced that heavily yet. No, not as yet. We do have um, Nerd Pledge CSI, who we should also thank as yes. well, which includes Glenn Finkeld and Sean McGiven. And Matt May and Pat Matt Rogers. Matt May and Pat Rogers, who hey. are doing a power of work behind the scenes, making sure that we're somewhere close to the, the pin when doing some more of the complicated numbers. One of those complicated numbers um, I have not done today, but we will do next week. And just so you know, you were in the queue. Uh, that is for Tom Lodowicki at 2.35. So that... Believe me, Tom, we are on it. We are getting there with Nerd Pledge CSI. Working through it. We're working through it as we're working through our problems, our issues, <laughs> our, our wants, our hopes and our dreams. But uh, we have to go and pick up Winnie from Nursery. We do. So let us call an end to a, a brief story time today. This may be the, the most bite-sized story time we've ever done. Maybe. It's less than an hour. That's all I know. I expect more of these. I quite like these kind of like sort of 40, 45 minute in and out two mm. numbers each. When we're under the pump, this is not a bad way of doing it. It's not. Um, if you want to be involved, go to patron.com slash the final word. That's where you uh, submit your number. You set the level that you want to send through. That sends the number to us. We get a notification. You get the access code to come in and hang out on Discord with everybody else um, who's listening to the show and be part of all of these ridiculum that is going on here. This has been Storytime 143. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, have a nice weekend or wherever or it is we week. release this. Have you a nice know, week. Know. No It'll probably be have a nice week. We'll okay. Bye. Bye. I had to go.